0: Good morning, what a blessing it is to be here Appreciate uh, so much the opportunity and the blessing that God has provided for us And we're so thankful for all who are with us this morning We have several who are visiting, uh, some from nearby, uh, some from way, 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 way far away And we're so thankful though that you have uh, made the conscious decision to be with us We're going to be opening our Bibles this morning in a moment to the book of Colossians chapter 1 once again. And uh, also Ephesians chapter 1. Our subject this morning will be what we have in Christ. What we have in Christ. This is lesson 2 in a series that I began last Lord's Day morning on walking in his steps. Growing in Christ. Uh, We began with the subject what becoming a Christian is all about. And this morning, we're going to focus in on what we have in Christ Jesus. Last week, we talked about the fact that becoming a Christian is not all about me. It's not about what I can get out of it. It's really not. It's really all about Jesus. It's about what He's done for us and what He's provided for us. Being a Christian is not about what joy or entertainment I get. And that's what so many people today look for when they talk about, you know, Following Jesus, they want to feel good, you know, they want to have a good time. It's not about that. In many cases, as we pointed out, it's about suffering. If we truly follow Jesus, we're going to be persecuted for that. If we truly follow Jesus, we're going to be without a lot of this world's conveniences. If we truly follow Jesus, then we're not going to be, in from a worldly perspective, usually a very good position, materially. Because our focus is on something else. Our focus is on the spiritual things provided in Christ and the hope that we have in Him. We emphasize the need to obey the gospel of Christ and to learn all we can about Jesus. To grow. Becoming a Christian is about following Jesus and doing what He says and becoming more like Him every day. He is our model. We are to imitate Him in all things. We are His disciples. Learners, adherents, followers. Becoming more like Jesus. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's what Jesus said to anyone who wants to come to him. In Colossians 1, beginning in verse 19, Brother Thor read this a moment ago. I just want to emphasize a couple of things from this text before we move on from it. First of all, there in verse 19 of Colossians 1, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him That's in Jesus. All the fullness should dwell. Now, chapter 2 and verse 9 also uses a similar expression. Uh, We'll talk about that in just a moment. Here's the point. Everything that we have, everything that is worth having, everything that will last is found in Jesus Christ. Everything that we need is found in Jesus Christ. Everything that we should even really want is found in Jesus Christ. Everything. The fullness of God is found in Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus is fully deity. But that's not really Paul's point. Paul's point is that everything that God provides is in him. All that belongs to God and all things that God provides men is found in Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll turn over there in just a few moments, the emphasis is all spiritual blessings are where? In Christ. We are complete in Christ. Colossians 2.10 makes that point. After he says in verse 9 that the fullness of Godhead bodily dwells in Christ Jesus, and that's true, and Jesus is fully God, and it is thus in Him that we can find everything that God provides. That is the real point. We are complete in Christ. There is nothing that a Christian needs that is not found in Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing that we need. Nothing we need that cannot be found in Christ. That's the point. What do we have in Christ? Well, what does that mean? We have all spiritual blessings in Christ. It's in Christ, and that is the emphasis. It is in Christ that we have all of these things. What does that mean? There is a sphere in which all of God's blessings are found. And that sphere is Jesus Christ. It's in Him. Just like in the Old Testament, you know when God had determined to destroy the earth with a flood. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And God instructed Noah to build an ark. And Noah built that ark. And wound up saving himself and his family. Seven other people, eight in total, were saved through the ark. And all the animals that were in that ark. What happened to everything and everyone that was outside that lived on the dry ground? They drowned. They died. The blessings were in that ark. God's salvation was in that ark. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 7, verse 12 and verse 13, we're familiar with the deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt. And the Passover feast was inaugurated the night that God was going to deliver the children of Israel, and he had them to put the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost of the house. And if they stayed within that house, they would be protected. What happened to all of those houses that did not have the blood? The firstborn son in every house died throughout Egypt. You had to be in the house where they were marked by the blood. In Numbers God set up cities of refuge for those who accidentally caused the death of someone else. They could flee to the city of refuge and be protected and be fairly judged in that city. But if they went outside that city for any reason, they could be killed. And the blood would be on their own head. Rahab's house in Joshua chapter 2. The spies that she protected told her that it... She needed to stay in that house and God would protect her. And anyone that she knew that she could bring in that house, they would be protected in her house, nowhere else. Everything else was destroyed. And in the New Covenant, in our day and time, there is still a sphere in which we can find protection, we can find salvation, deliverance, and everything that God provides His people. And that is in Christ, in His body, in Christ. His church. Ephesians one three. It's in Christ. And all those who are in Christ, by the way, are His body. We make up His body if we're saved. Acts 2.47 The Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. The saved, that's the body of Christ. Who's that? Who is that? Those who are in Christ. If you're outside of Christ, you're not in His body. If you're in Christ, you're in His body. That's the point. So, all right, let's uh, think about this just a little bit more. What does it mean to be in Christ? What does that mean? Certainly it's not a physical location. It's not a materialistic place. But rather a spiritual relationship. The expression dwells in, or lives in, abides in, is a common expression in scripture that emphasizes a spiritual relationship. The Father dwells in me and I dwell in the Father, according to 1 John 3, 24 and chapter four, verse 15. The Father dwells in me and I dwell in the Father. That's a relationship. Uh, The Holy Spirit dwells in me and I in him, Romans 8 and verse nine. Many people don't like to think about it the other way around, I dwell in the Holy Spirit too. It's a relationship. It's not that I'm incarnate, (laughs) With the Holy Spirit. I, I, the Holy Spirit is not, a, not literally dwelling in my fleshly body in a literal sense. Except that he's influencing me and he's guiding me through what he's revealed to me. And thus that relationship is established and it's a strong relationship. Jesus dwells in me and I in Christ. John fifteen two through 5. Jesus said if you abide in my word, you abide in me. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thus, a close, harmonious spiritual relationship in which we receive His blessings and is is sustained as we follow Him. That's the idea of being in Christ. It's a close, harmonious spiritual relationship. All spiritual blessings are in this relationship. All spiritual blessings are in this relationship. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as the sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted, in the beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now, before I move on to, the, to verse 8, notice, first of all, all spiritual blessings are where? In Christ. You know what? That would include, as we pointed out recently in our discussion on Calvinism, that would include Election. God chose us, where? In Him. If you are in Christ, you are God's chosen. What if you're not in Christ? God predetermined, predestined that those in Christ would be His elect people. If we are in Christ, we are that elect group. We're that chosen people. And thus we are adopted unto God as His children. And he chose, God chose and determined that those in Christ would be holy and without blame before him in love. God predestined us to adoption. Those in Christ are adopted as his own children by Christ to himself. By virtue of being in Christ, we now are children of God according to the good pleasure of his will. And I'm so thankful that God Made such a provision. And this was according to His will, not ours. We had nothing to do with it. Mankind had nothing to do with it. This is something God predetermined to do before the foundation of the world. He made this provision available to us. And this is to the praise and the glory of His grace, His unmerited favor by which He made us accepted. He made us accepted in the beloved. Outside of the beloved, we're not accepted. Inside the beloved, we are accepted. In Him we have redemption through His blood. We are bought back from the bondage of sin and from control of Satan. And we are bought back and we are reconciled to God. The forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, is provided through the blood of Christ and provides our freedom, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. All things that belong to God are where? In Christ. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In him. People, those who are living today in Christ. Those who have died. Those who who belong to God in history are in Christ. It's all made possible in Christ. So, verse 11, "...in whom also we have obtained an inheritance." This is our hope. "...being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will." God predetermined that there's this hope, this this inheritance that's going to be provided to His people in Christ. "...that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. This is how you enter into Christ. You hear the gospel. And you believe that gospel. You obey that gospel. In whom having believed, that's not a passive thing either. That's something that we do. We believe. And after having, been belie- having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That word sealed has to do with the guarantee or a marking, an identification, if you will, that you are legitimate, that you genuinely belong to God. And that is made known. And the Holy Spirit is one who's sealed. and is also the sense of security. Listen, there is security in Christ. But it's in Christ. It's not outside of Christ who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. And of course, the guarantee is also emphasized, and Paul makes this point in Romans chapter 8, Then the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there's a promise associated with this being in Christ. This inheritance that we have been promised is real, it is true. And it's been assured to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ until the redemption of the purchased possession, that is the time in which it becomes reality, to the praise of His glory. And just kind of boiling all of that down, inside of Christ we have all spiritual blessings. We are chosen. We're children of God. We're accepted. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. We have this heavenly inheritance. All these things are in Christ. What's outside of Christ? None of those things. No spiritual blessings are outside of Christ includes election no spiritual blessings are outside of christ you're not a child of god if you're not in christ you're not accepted by god if you're not in christ you're not accepted by god you're not redeemed not forgiven you don't have any hope paul mentions this over in ephesians chapter two doesn't he? before those ephesians had become children of god by faith in christ jesus before they believed The Apostle Paul makes this point in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. He says that in that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. My friend, if you're not in Christ this morning, that's your condition. But if you're in Christ, you have all these blessings. Now, how do you get from one sphere into the other the sphere of the world the sphere outside of christ how do you get from that sphere into christ well according to the scripture you're baptized into christ romans 6 and verse 3 for as many of you have have been baptized into christ have been baptized into his death galatians three twenty six: for ye are all children of god by faith in christ jesus verse 27 for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, hath put on Christ. So, we'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a moment. Uh, Focusing in more on the blessings that we have in Christ. Again, all spiritual blessings are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't have these. But one of the things that's mentioned, and it's certainly implied throughout Scripture, is that we have salvation in Christ. And we hear the so-called Christian world all the time talk about being saved are you saved you know and in fact uh just this past week on Facebook on one of the groups that I'm a member of somebody asked the question well what must I do to be saved you would be surprised at all the different answers well maybe you wouldn't be so surprised some said just pray ask Jesus to come into your heart some said just you know um Believe that Jesus is, is the Christ, the Son of God, and that's it. That's all you got to do. Just believe. And others said you, you have to repent and confess your sins and believe that God has forgiven you of your sins. Very few, very few said what Peter said. Very few said what Jesus said. You know, Jesus said, he that believed and is baptized shall be saved. Why is that so hard for people to believe? Now, salvation is in Christ, according to 2 Timothy 2 and verse 10, and eternal glory is in Christ. What is salvation? Salvation is the deliverance from sin. And this is only found in Jesus Christ. And we just read from Ephesians chapter 1, where we have redemption, reconciliation, the forgiveness of our sins. This is what salvation is. And this is only in and through Jesus Christ. Acts 4 and verse 12. There is no other name given among men whereby whereby we must be saved than the name Christ Jesus, than Jesus Christ Himself. And it's not His designation, by the way. It's His person. It's who He is. It's in Him. It's by His authority that salvation is made available. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. Only Jesus. Salvation is granted to, according to Acts 2.21, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter's quoting from the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. And as Peter then proceeds to preach to them this Jesus who had died and been buried and had been raised from the dead. Peter preached this Jesus and says, David prophesied of him, told of him, and also spoke of his resurrection. And after Peter had told them who Jesus was in verse 36, he said, this same Jesus whom you have crucified God has raised up and made both Lord and Christ. The people then said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And as many as received his words were baptized. That day, 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 47 says, The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Who was it that was being saved? Those who heard and were baptized. Those who repented and were baptized. Those who called upon the name of the Lord as Peter instructed them to. Right? Peter said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In verse 38, my friend, he tells you how to do that. I wish everybody would listen to Peter, to the inspired apostle Peter, and how to call upon the name of the Lord. Don't do it your own way. Do it as we're instructed in the Scripture. Romans ten thirteen through 17, also the same point. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call it they, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And of course, then he flips it around, and he emphasizes, have they not all believed? No, they haven't, because they have not obeyed the gospel. Salvation comes by hearing, believing, and obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. But salvation, okay, salvation is a blessing we have in Christ Jesus. Reconciliation, the concept is that when we are outside of Christ, we are alienated. We are enemies of God. But being reconciled in Christ, we are put back together with God. There is now peace made between us and God. We are now at peace with God. The relationship has been reestablished between us and God that was broken because of our sin. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. The concept of redemption and forgiveness. Redemption means we have been bought back. We have been bought back. We have been freed from sin. We have been made free from the bondage of sin. As Jesus talks about in John the 8th chapter, those who commit sin are slaves to sin. We're in bondage to our sin, but through the redemption that is found in Christ Jesus, we're made free from that bondage. When we receive the forgiveness by Jesus' blood, we are redeemed. We again belong to God, not to Satan. We change spheres. We're no longer in Satan's camp. We're now in God's camp. We're now in God's army, not Satan's army. We're now God's people, not Satan's people. We are freed from the bondage of Satan and of the world. So many passages emphasize that. We don't have time this morning to look at all the, all the passages that we might look at in, in demonstrating those points. But you can have the charts later and you can download the charts and you can read all these passages and, and see what we truly have in in regard to redemption in Christ. Enjoy the provision of God's love. You know, there's a difference between the provision of God's love and the reception of God's love. The provision is what God has done. And you know, it's real. It's a reality. That is unconditional. The provision is unconditional in that it was provided for who? Everybody. Titus 2 and verse 11. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, right? The provision of God's love is, is, is given to everybody. The provision of His grace is there for everyone. But we must receive it by faith. We must receive it through faith. We must receive it with the kind of faith that is accepted by God. Not just what we call it, as we were talking about in Bible class this morning. A faith like Abraham's faith in, in Romans chapter 4. What kind of faith did Abraham have? Well, that's the kind of faith that saves you. And if we walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, Romans chapter 4 and verse 12, we too will be blessed like Abraham was blessed. But we must receive this provision by faith. But the provision is God's love. And we, we understand that love is extended to everybody, Romans 5 and verse 8. We understand that God's mercy is extended to everybody, but it's not received by everybody. In fact, it's not received by most. Will we receive the provision that God has made of His love, of His grace? Well, we do if we are in Christ. That's where His love is found and enjoyed and experienced. That's where His grace is experienced. Not outside of Christ. We are free from condemnation, Romans 8 and verse 1. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Who walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. But those who walk according to the law of the Spirit. There is no condemnation for us. If we're in Christ and walking according to the Spirit. There is no condemnation to those who stand fast and hold on. In fact, Galatians chapter 5, Paul encourages the brethren there to stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. You stay there. Don't move. Hold to what you have. Because you're free from condemnation. We have eternal life. Salvation, the ultimate salvation the reception of our eternal glory all this is found only in Christ outside of Christ none of these blessings exist you know if we are in Christ the Bible talks about us as as who you know what we have the blessings but it also speaks of us as being a particular kind of person in Christ or we are in a current a certain condition in Christ for example in 2nd Corinthians 5 and verse 17 we are a new creation in Christ Jesus outside of Christ you're still old and dead in Christ you have been recreated if you will a new creation in 1st Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 Peter talks about us if we're in Christ being chosen a chosen race royal priests, a holy nation God's possession God's special people In Christ, this is who we are. In Christ, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. In Galatians 3 and verse 26, we are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2, we are sanctified, as Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. Sanctified. Sanctified saints. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to die and have done a lot of miracles and stuff in your life to eventually be voted on as being a saint, as it is in the Catholic Church. No, if you're following Jesus Christ, if you're in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You are a holy one. You have been made holy by the blood of Christ is the idea. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, we are alive, raised up with him. And raised from the dead, we were spiritually dead, now we are raised, we are spiritually alive in Christ. Ephesians 5 and verse 8, we are children of light, therefore we are to walk as children of light. In Colossians 1 and verse 22, we are holy and blameless in Him. In Romans 3 and verse 24, we are justified, we are redeemed. We are God's redeemed people. We are God's justified people. Well, that's what we are in Christ and all the things that we have in Christ are you in Christ are we actually in Christ is that relationship real you know we hear all the time you know the need to re- hear re- believe repent confess and be baptized for the remission of our sins and, and we've heard the plan of salvation most of us have all of our life we know the steps. Many of us can repeat the steps. We can repeat the passages that teach these things. But as we talked about last week, you know, these are not just things on a a list that you just check off. Okay, I did that, I did that, I did that. The the idea is uh, there are continuing and abiding effects and results of these things when, when actually experienced. When we truly hear, that means that we receive the things of God. We hear the truth, we receive it, we We accept it. We believe it in our heart. It becomes a part of us. The seed is planted in our hearts and it grows and the seed bears fruit in our life. When we believe, it's not just a mental consent or mental assent. It is is trust and conviction to the point that whatever the one in whom we believe, in this case, Jesus Christ, whatever He says, that's it. That's the truth. That is the what I that's what I must do. You know, people say, well, all you've got to do is believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and He died and He raised. You must believe that, no question. But if you truly believe it, listen, when Jesus says he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, you're not going to argue with him, are you? You'll say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Luke six forty six. Well, I call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. If we truly believe we're not going to hesitate to do what the Lord says and all the examples of salvific faith found in Hebrews chapter 11 all these great Hall of Famers of faith they all by faith did something by faith Abel sacrificed by faith Enoch walked with God by faith Noah built the ark by faith Abraham all these individuals did what God instructed them to do, as God instructed them to do it. That's real faith, my friend. It's impossible to please him without faith, for whosoever comes to God must believe that he is conviction and is a rewarder, trust, of those who diligently seek him. All right? So, Repent. Repentance is a result of our faith. Yes, we will turn from the world. We will turn even from ourselves and we'll turn to the Lord. We must turn away from the things that are not of God and turn to the things that are. We must turn away from the things that are not of Christ and the things to the things that are of Christ. That includes turning away from sin. That includes turning away from our own pride and selfishness and truly allowing Jesus Christ to be our Lord. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But this is something that is continually developed as we continue to live for Christ. We continually turn to Him for guidance and for instruction. And when we find ourselves in error, we will repent. And there, as pointed out in class this morning, there is no shame in repentance. In turning from sin to the Lord, there is no shame in that. That is what truly glorifies God. To confess our faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Is to pledge our allegiance to Him. To acknowledge publicly who He is to us. He is our Lord. He's been raised from the dead to sit at the right hand of God. And now has all authority. And most importantly, all authority over me. And in baptism, now I am submitting to His authority. In the name of Jesus Christ, I am submitting to His authority. And receiving what he offers. And that's exactly what Peter meant in Acts chapter 10 and verse 42. Where he told Cornelius that remission of sins will be given to those who believe through his name. And then in verse 47, can these forbid water? They should not be baptized as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ in baptism, thus receiving the things that Christ provides. We are cleansed and we are united to Christ in baptism. Then we are to be faithful. We are to abide in Christ. And going back to this idea or concept of being baptized into Christ, I want you to notice what a few passages say. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11 says, In him, in him, You are are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, what is the circumcision of Christ? Many say, well, baptism is the circumcision of Christ. No, baptism is not the circumcision of Christ. Baptism is the act in which the circumcision of Christ takes place. That's true. When we are baptized in Christ, we have our sins cut away notice buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses the circumcision of Christ is the divine act of forgiving us of our sins when we're baptized into Christ when we're baptized into Christ, we are united with Christ, and we are raised with Christ. Notice also in Galatians chapter 3, you already mentioned this passage, verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you're a child of God. And this was accomplished by faith. Yes, absolutely. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Let me ask you a question. Does being a son of God through faith in Christ Jesus include baptism? Absolutely it does. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How did they become children of God by faith? By being baptized into Christ. What about those who have not been baptized into Christ? There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither male, or neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ. We're all in the same body. We're all participants of the same blessings. We are saved in Christ. We are one in Christ. We are children of God by faith in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now one of the things that's interesting is in these passages and many others that we could bring in, it's not faith, the point that one becomes a believer mentally, that's not the point that he enters into Christ. It's not when he confesses, it's not when he repents, except when those actions or those things culminate in him being baptized into Christ. We're baptized into Christ. And if we're baptized into Christ, then we're one with Christ. If we're baptized into Christ, we are Abraham's seed. There's Genesis chapter 12. Through his seed, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. We're heirs according to the promise. Romans 6 and verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? When do we come in contact with the death of Christ, with the blood of Christ? blood is in Christ. Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When does our new life begin? Are you in Christ? Where all spiritual blessings are? Are you abiding in Christ? Listen, it's not enough just to be in Christ. We must abide in Him. We must remain in Him. We can leave him if we so desire. Now, I don't know why anyone would, but we can. And people have. But in John, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 10, Jesus emphasizes the need to abide in him, abide in his word. If we abide in his word, then we abide in him. How do we know that we are abiding in Christ? Well, 1 John 2 and verses 3 through 6 says that we abide in him as we keep his commandments. If anyone says that he abides in Christ and does not keep his commandments, is what? It's a liar. Also, John emphasizes that if we are truly abiding in him, we will walk as he walked. We follow him. We keep his commandments. Colossians 2 and verse 6, We must walk in him, rooted and built up in him. We must grow stronger in him. One of the whole purpose for the series of lessons we're studying in Sunday morning, Bible class, and then through the series of lessons here on Sunday morning, the emphasis is the importance of being built up in Christ, to be strengthened spiritually. We become stronger in Christ so we can bear fruit. We must bear fruit. Or... We will be cut off, John 15. In Colossians 1 and verse 23, we must continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and not move away from the hope of the gospel. Remember when we first started in John, John, in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. The fullness of Christ, of God dwells in Christ Jesus. And that's what we have in Christ. We have everything that God provides us. But then he emphasizes in verse 23, if We continue in the faith. What if we don't continue in the faith? What we have in Christ, my friend, is every spiritual blessing. We have God's love and God's grace. We are recipients of that. We are participants in that. We experience His love and His grace. Those outside of Christ, now, they can access it, but they don't experience it. If we are in Christ Jesus, not only do we have God's love and His grace, we are adopted as children, we are accepted in Christ. Not only that, we also have salvation and forgiveness of our sins. Salvation from our sins and forgiveness of our sins. We are redeemed, made free from our sins. We are at peace with God. And we have the security that comes by being in Christ and abiding in Him. And we have eternal life. It's in promise for us. But one day we will be with Him forever and ever. If we are in Him. In the book of Revelation chapter 14 verse 13 it says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Are you in the Lord? Are you in Christ? Are you abiding in Christ? If not, you can be in the Lord today and if you're not abiding in Christ, you need to repent and confess and get back to being faithful to the Lord, reestablish that relationship that you've broken by your sin through the forgiveness that Christ offers. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Are you walking in the steps of Christ today? My friend, you can do. Why in the world would anyone who is in Christ want out? What does the world have that Christ, that's worth giving up what we have in Christ? What does the world have? Just remember this, that whatever's in the world Whatever that may be, it's only temporary. One day it's going to come to an end, and you will lose it. I promise you, you will lose it. And for eternity, you will be regretting your choice to choose the world over Christ. The things that Christ has is eternal. Which one will you choose? If we can help you in any way, please come as we stand while we sing.